0: Hi, Emily. Hi.
1: <laughs> I wasn't ready for that. You weren't? I, w- I wasn't. Are you sure? Yeah.
0: Hey, you guys. Have you ever had a cat, and you just look at that cat, and you go, that cat looks like Batman? Like, I'm just one want- poll. Feel free to comment on this episode anywhere you find it. Have you ever met a cat that looks like Batman? Because I, I have.
1: It's my cat. It's Emily's cat. It's Mushu.
0: Machu. He looks like Batman. He has the bone structure. He could really pull off the mask.
1: Maybe I should get him a tiny cat mask.
0: He is the knight. Well, the fuck are we talking about today?
1: See, this is one of those moments where I'm really confused again. And I think we're supposed to talk about true crime.
0: Yes, you are correct.
1: (laughs) Okay, cool. Don't
0: you worry. Cool. You are right about that. Because
1: this is definitely true crime good one of us has to keep it straight
0: one of us okay and guess what else you go first
1: i do you do i do you do so i picked a really uplifting story are
0: you a lying right now by chance
1: for the holidays are you a
0: lying liar who lies
1: i'm gonna start with a quote oh okay to just show how Uplifting the story. Is. I, all
0: right, for anybody who's listened to before, it sucks <laughs> when Emily starts with quotes. Like, let's all just like gird our loins, clench our butts.
1: Wow. <laughs> Quote. There's a lot of blood. Oh. There's a <laughs> lot of blood. I'm sorry. I I don't know what I was thinking. Oh God. Woo! Happy holidays.
0: Is this from like a nine one one?
1: No, this is fucking testimony. From uh, the trial that happened this year for this case. Oh,
0: shit. It just sounds like something somebody would say when they're, like, really confused and kind of out of it. Yeah. But, like, okay. No, the
1: 911 call is so much sadder. Oh, good. So, I hate, I hate you have that room. to look forward to. God oh,
0: damn it, Em. <laughs> All right.
1: So, uh, let's take a holiday trip.
0: What if I refuse?
1: Mm, it's too late. You're already in the car. Ha We're going to Oklahoma. This is
0: trash. <laughs> it's
1: like kidnapping, only fun. No. Mm. No. Yay. Woo. All right. We're going to Oklahoma. It's 2015. The sun has set. And two people are about to commit a horrible crime.
0: Great. My favorite kind of crime.
1: Specifically, Robert and Michael Bever, who were 18 and 16 at the time of the arrest. So... Not really adults. I'm sure they... They were tried as adults.
0: Yeah, yeah, I suppose. One of them
1: legally, technically, was an adult at the time of the crime.
0: Right. It's just whenever you hear about young men, it's like, oh, it's going to be real bad? Yeah. Because they just don't even know. (laughs) Like, they have no idea about the consequences of what they're doing.
1: Yeah. That quote also was from Robert Bever, who was the older brother. Hi, Robert. And before we get to doom and gloom in Broken Arrow, Oklahoma... There are two survivors. Ooh, all right. And I did write this. World, don't get too mad at me. I wanted to do something different. And the story does actually have a lot of uh uh-oh warning signs. Oh, good. But the family ignored them. Oh. So, like, for years, they were ignored. So it's kind of the opposite of what we normally talk about. Sure. And I thought it might be a really interesting change of pace. Because the signs were there. Right. No one wanted to see them.
0: But we may learn from the mistakes of
1: others. So, our survivors are two of their sisters. Can anyone guess where this crime is going?
0: Uh, Did they kill their whole family? Mm Mm-hmm. Except for their sisters? Mm Mm-hmm. Great. I love these.
1: Crystal and Autumn, ages 13 and 2, at the time of the crime.
0: Okay.
1: Uh, Crystal, the 13 year old, not only survived but did testify against them in court. Nice. And because of the trauma that she went through and to avoid being in the same room, she was allowed to testify in a different courtroom with the judge and attorneys.
0: Oh, that's nice. And then
1: the testimony was shown in a TV screen in the courtroom with the jury. Smart. Yeah. So, before they brought her up for her testimony, the jury heard the 911 call that came from inside the house, and it was one of the other children. Oh, shit. Uh-huh. Saying his brother was attacking the family. And it was 12-year-old Daniel Bever. You hear him say, please don't murder me, and then another voice comes on the line, it says hello, and then the call disconnects. Oh,
0: no. Oh, that's horrible. Yeah.
1: So the trial, like I said, actually just took place this year. Um, I think it started like back in April for Michael. And Crystal's now 16. And she talks about how she recalled that night that they went bowling as a family. And then came home and had dinner. Um, and had she normal. was told by her mother to go tell her older brother, Robert, to do the dishes. So she walked into his room mm-hmm. a little before 11 o'clock to tell them and she heard one of them say, are we going to do this now? They told her to look at what was on, what was on Michael's computer screen. Um She said Robert then came up b- behind her, put a hand over her mouth and cut her throat.
0: Oh, my God.
1: Robert told detectives he believed that she would die silently. But it didn't go that way. Instead, she started screaming.
0: Probably didn't cut deep enough. Yeah. If you've never cut somebody's throat before, you're probably like, ugh. Like you don't.
1: Yeah, it's it's not it's not as easy as the movies make it look. No,
0: you got a lot of stuff going on in there.
1: Because especially like in the movies, the blade doesn't usually go very deep because mm-hmm. uh <laughs> it can't. Yeah, unless you do some weird CGI or like some serious s like FX stuff.
0: Whenever you see that sort of thing, it's always like this is the sharpest blade in the world, yes. and then it cuts through everything like butter. But yeah. otherwise, regular ass knife probably not. No.
1: So she then told investigators she kept screaming until her mom came. Crystal then ran to tell her younger sister to lock herself in the bathroom while Robert chased her and Michael stayed and killed their mother. Oh, no. Um, Crystal said she then tried to find a cell phone and ran to open the front door in order to sound the alarm. Um, she passed out in the front lawn and awoke to Michael dragging her back into the house.
0: Oh, whoa! As she
1: heard other people screaming inside.
0: Where do they live? She's on the front lawn. Yeah. Like nobody was like, "That seems and weird." At like
1: eleven o'clock at night.
0: Yeah, I mean it's late, but it's not that fucking late. It's not three in the morning, you know. Yeah. Like no one's hearing. I mean, hearing... it's Oklahoma. I mean, look. <laughs> Oklahoma has a whole thing where they try to get people to go live there because not enough people live there to like maintain their workforce. And so there's just like new housing developments all over the place with like mostly empty houses. Yeah. Um, I don't, maybe it's like that, but otherwise it's like, what are y'all
1: doing? Well, I'm going to get into it later too, but, um, their family was really secretive. Mm. Like they were discouraged. They discouraged their kids from meeting the neighbors and like going outside. That's a little weird. So like most of their neighbors. Learned their full names with the crime report sure. that came out in the newspaper. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> oh, God. So, I'm I'm assuming there wasn't any report of other nine one one calls, but like I'm assuming somebody else called nine one one. There's a lot of she can hear the screams from outside the house,
0: right? So, like maybe nobody wanted to get involved or like looked at the house, but they were like
1: some yeah, shady's gonna loud. call nine one one. Yeah. Um, so she's dragged back into the house, and then she passes out again. Excuse me. Ugh. And she said the next thing she knew, there was a police officer banging on the door. He broke in and carried her out of the house. Wow. Um, Crystal said that Robert and Michael had talked for at least a year about wanting to kill their family and steal their money
0: what the fuck
1: she said they admired mass shooters and wished that more of them got away with their crimes
0: and this was something she knew yes like they were vocal about being like yes man i do love that virginia tech guy like yeah jesus
1: um according to her the brothers said there were too many people in the world great um, According to the detective, the children's mother said they were simply just boys being boys. No,
0: mama, no.
1: When Crystal told her about what the boys were saying. So She's, Crystal did the right thing. Right. And mom just ignored it.
0: So Crystal is the only person in this family, at least that you've talked about we're so trying. far. Who, yeah, who's like, this doesn't seem normal. Let me do all the things I'm supposed to do.
1: Yeah. Um, she said her father was only upset that the boys were wasting their money. We'll get into that. I was just
0: gonna say on what?
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> guns, porn, video games. <laughs>
1: mm, one of those is right. Guns, guns, knives, body armor, ammunition.
0: What the fuck they're stockpiling? Yes. Jesus Christ. Yes. Okay, go on. <laughs> I know you said you were gonna get into it. I'm already mad. <laughs>
1: <clears throat> yeah. Um. So. Uh, none of the children had ever been to a public school. They were all homeschooled. And they didn't make any friends outside of the house. They were strongly discouraged from doing so.
0: It, what, is there any reasoning behind, like, what their parents yeah. were thinking? Yeah. Okay, great.
1: They are hyper-religious.
0: Oh, okay. There it is.
1: Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Um, this, uh, Crystal also said that their father was abusive in the past. Um, especially when he was angry, she remembered hearing her parents talk about being too rough on Robert and Michael when they were younger. And she said she did witness at least one fight between her mom and dad in which her dad threw her mother across the room and hit her head on the wall. Oh shit! Side note: mm-hmm. in the in the court notes, it does say that she gets emotional and Michael also gets emotional. When she talks about hearing the screams coming from the home but there's never any mention of robert getting emotional when talking about this at all is
0: robert the 18 year old or the 18 18 year old okay
1: which just kind of helps a theory that he might be a sociopath sure
0: i'd be willing to believe that about anybody who can kill their family
1: and has been planning it for this long Uh uh-huh especially
0: when like they're the older one you know how that like the older one is usually the one like, let's do this. Come yeah. on. Like, I'll teach you everything you need to know.
1: And I'll get into it, but he'd actually been thinking about it a lot longer than just a year. It was just a year since like he brought Michael on board. Sure. So at this point I'm wondering I'm sure you're wondering just how big this family actually was. Yep, a little bit. Like, you know, hyper religious family.
0: They they have people ranging from eighteen to two years old. Yes. Yeah, there's probably a lot in between, huh? Yeah.
1: <laughs> so it was seven kids. Okay. Um, Prosecutor Sarah McAmos had the exact same thought during the trial and actually read it all off for the jury. Being like, let's talk about how many people were in this family and what the fuck happened.
0: Jesus, yeah, good.
1: Um She also did highlight crystal and the injury she shuff, she suffered and like how brave she was for fighting for her life and trying to get out of the house to get help that's good so we had david bever who was the father age 52 um he Fifty seven kids jesus Christ. yeah anyway. uh he was killed by at least 28 stab wounds to the torso, face, neck, left arm, and hand.
0: That's an angry killing. Yeah. They had guns
1: and they didn't even use them on him. Here's the thing. The guns... The reason they did this killing on that specific day is because the ammunition was set to arrive the following day and they didn't want their family seeing it.
0: So they were going to go kill other people Oh after yeah, this. this yeah, is just they the had step. a
1: whole... I'll, they have a whole plan. Oh,
0: shit. Do they have a manifesto?
1: No. Fuck. They have a journal. But not a formal manifesto. Sure, okay. Um April Bever was 44, was the mother. Um Killed by blunt force trauma and at least 48 stab wounds.
0: Jesus. So, there's that. That's a lot, a lot of times to stab a person. The medical
1: examiner testified saying the mother was the focus of the crime. And it's like, no shit, Sherlock. Yeah, dude. That's... Almost twice the amount of the father. Right. Daniel Bever, who called 911, was 12. Mm -hmm. And he suffered nine stab wounds. Mm. This is gonna get sad, guys. Yeah. Christopher Bever was seven and was stabbed six times. Mm. And then Victoria Bever was the youngest of the victims at five. And was stabbed eighteen times.
0: Oh my God! Yeah, that's way more than the other children.
1: It seems like there's a lot more stab wounds for the females than the males.
0: You know what? Fine. Yeah. Well, you're saying like the dad is the abusive one, and yet the mom is the focus of the crime. Yeah. Like, yeah. What did she do?
1: I don't know. So again, we had our survivors: Crystal, thirteen, and Autumn, two, who was asleep. Oh. They had planned on killing her. But they just... Well, Crystal was supposed to die quickly, and that didn't happen, and it kind of threw all of their plans out of whack. Sure. So they kind of just forgot about the two-year-old.
0: <laughs> okay. I mean, it's its not around. It's probably in its, like, crib or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Okay, I guess.
1: Yeah. So let's talk about the warning signs, the other warning signs. So a Broken Arrow detective also testified... About interviewing Robert Beaver. Beaver, I, I won't, keep wanting to say Beaver because it's just missing the A. Oh right. <laughs> um, he said Robert said he'd been planning on killing his parents since he was thirteen.
0: Oh my god, sounds like a sociopath to me. Like yeah, even-
1: I would almost at this point wager psychopath because when they get into talking more about like how he was during the interview, he was like laughing at some points. Mm and very just calm mm-hmm. and uncaring
0: right regardless he doesn't he does not give a shit yeah great
1: so scary yeah that's uh five whole years of planning he and michael discovered their fascination with murder over late night talks and he brought him on board to make a plan okay you
0: gotta be like, oh, you're cool, aren't you? Okay, you're cool. I can bring you in on my five-year-long plan uh-huh. to kill everyone in our family. Uh-huh. You were on that list, but, but you're now. But now. now you're not. Yeah.
1: <laughs> so Robert got a job at a call center to earn money to buy knives, body armor, helmets, bullets, and guns. Oof. He said they'd ordered the body armor and collected knives for months.
0: How much did they have?
1: A lot Ugh. they planned to kill at least a hundred people,
0: oh my God,
1: yeah, um he found out he could order guns and get them delivered to the gun shop instead of the house, so he did that.
0: so his parents didn't even necessarily know that they had all this
1: they they would have known about the knives and the body armor, mm-hmm. but not the guns, probably Shit. Um, so he then, like I said, ordered the ammunition to be delivered to their home the day after the family was killed. And that's why they killed them.
0: They had a deadline.
1: Yeah. So they had planned to cut up the victim's bodies, store them in tubs in the attic, and clean up the house. Um, and they'd also had plans for how they were going to kill the two-year-old. It was really sad. Hmm. They were going to cut her head off with an axe. oh. Uh. Ugh. Which is awful. So it's literally awful.
0: Two year olds are real easy to kill y'all. That is like. That's so unnecessary. Way over the top.
1: Um, the detective also said Robert had told him that the brothers had planned to make two videos. One with the bodies for police and then one without the bodies and blood that could be released to the public and put on YouTube.
0: They wanted to do a video manifesto. Uh-huh. Okay. Cool, cool, cool. Great. They then those.
1: planned to take the family car to pick up the guns at the gun shop and take the ammunition and then drive out of state to heavily populated pa- places and kill random people. Um, they'd planned to kill at least five people at each place and then move on to the next location. They'd ordered 2,000 rounds of pistol ammunition And 250 rounds for a shotgun. Jesus. That is so much ammunition. That is so much. So the detective testified that Robert said the gun shop told him the two pistols and a shotgun had arrived for them before the incident. And the two bought handkerchiefs to wear under helmets to avoid helmet hair.
0: Vain little motherfuckers. Mm -hmm. Great. Yeah, love it. So
1: we're kind of venturing into a narcissistic sociopath at this point. Uh We got to look good while we're murdering. Mm -hmm. Um, The brothers then reportedly gathered their six knives that were in the house.
0: I was going to say, they only have six knives. Amateurs.
1: Um, Robert told detectives that he had admired serial killers and mass shooters and said he believed that killing more than one person would make him godlike. He wanted to become super fucking famous.
0: That's usually what for they... For the wrong of reason. Of yeah. course. Ugh, Robert. Robert.
1: Yeah, Robert told the detective that killing was not a bad thing. Okay. And that he'd always thought about doing it. Always? Always. <laughs> every minute of every day? Every minute of every day. Um The detective said... Robert told him that if he killed enough people, he would eventually kill someone who was not contributing to society, which would be a good thing.
0: Okay, so you kill a hundred people, and uh-huh. one of those people is like a freeloading, never contributing to society. Maybe they themselves are a bad person. Yeah, and that makes it okay, justifies it. The other ninety-nine people
1: expendable were
0: just on the path to that. Because the world
1: okay. is overpopulated.
0: That just sounds like something you say. Uh huh. You don't actually give a shit. Uh huh. At all.
1: So Robert said he liked firearms because his parents hated them. Sure. So that's the only reason he wanted to use guns. Mm-hmm. And he also said he believed that they would be able to kill 100 people on their killing spree without missing anyone. So there's this weird thing about handguns. Mhm. Because I'm guessing, based on the family history... Neither of them had actually handled a weapon before.
0: I was going to say, when would they have gone and done that?
1: And first of all, learning to like load the magazine mm-hmm. is hard enough. You have to have very strong thumbs. Yeah. Plus then loading it, getting the safety off, doing all of the necessary steps, keeping it clean, keeping it from jamming.
0: Mm-hmm. Let alone firing. Activity. Let alone.
1: That's all before even pulling the trigger. Right. <laughs> And the accuracy and dealing with the kickback on a weapon. Yeah. He was very confident.
0: And there there's no evidence they have ever handled these guns no. at all. And yeah, no. he's just like, oh yeah, we probably could yeah, let's hit a hundred moving targets in a row. Yeah.
1: So, you know. Very narcissistic.
0: He is not he is delusional. Uh-huh. He is like so beyond what most narcissists would ever be. He is he has delusions of grandeur for sure.
1: Yeah. So they had originally planned to carry out the attack in September, but then again moved it up to July because their ammunition was coming.
0: Did they just seem like they planned it poorly and they were like, oh fuck, we forgot about all the bullets that are arriving.
1: Yeah. yeah. Um, so in the interview with Robert, apparently, like I said, he laughed and chuckled frequently while telling the story and became mildly excited at certain parts. What does that mean? It's pretty typical of serial killers when they kind of get a thrill uh-huh. from telling the story and talking about the murders because uh-huh. they get to relive them.
0: Yeah. Gross. It's
1: real gross. It's real nasty. Yeah. Uh huh.
0: I can't imagine being in a room with somebody like that, just telling me the worst things ever. And like just super stoked about it.
1: <laughs> yeah. So Robert did testify for Michael trying to get him from not getting the same sentence he got.
0: Okay, man, surprise! Which
1: is five life sentences with no chance of parole. Uh
0: huh. Smart, good.
1: Which he had tattooed on his fingers. He got prison tats before his brother was even sentenced. (laughs)
0: Like in prison. Yeah. On his fingers. On his
1: fingers. He got uh five L S. And P, or LSNP times five Five for life sentences, sentences, no parole. No parole. And then on the other hand, he got life. Jesus.
0: You know, all the other people in prison are like, okay, we get it. We get it, kid. We know you killed your family. We think you're gross. We definitely don't think you're that impressive. And you're like, you're you're talking about it too much. You care too much. Mm -hmm. You're not supposed to be just like shoving your crimes in people's faces (laughs) Uh uh-huh delusions of grandeur
1: yep um so he started his testimony saying they had a lonely and somewhat violent childhood and that michael also had a speech impediment that was also probably paired with dyslexia
0: okay things are kind of tough for him
1: A quote from Robert, uh, we could go months without leaving the house except to buy groceries. Awkward. Not a good upbringing for seven kids.
0: Yeah, for sure.
1: Uh, Robert said that his parents often talked about the rapture and the biblical apocalypse as, quote, a retribution thing for everything they hated about the world. So now we kind of enter into a nature versus nurture Uh argument about why Robert is the way he is. And there's a lot out there of like trying to figure out why serial killers are the way they are and if it is because of how they were raised or if it's just something genetic Mm -hmm. that just kind of happens. Mm
0: -hmm. Or if it's always some combo of the two and like...
1: And it's weird and nobody knows and brains are strange. Yeah.
0: Yeah. No head trauma in his history, huh?
1: <laughs> well, they were abused.
0: That's true. Who so knows?
1: So he could have gotten knocked upside the head.
0: Yeah, maybe.
1: Uh, let's see. So uh, one of the questions he was asked at the trial was, did you become interested in mass killings and the apocalypse? Apparently, Robert cracked a smile, laughed a little, and then said, I took an interest in it. Yes. Ew. Yeah. Ugh. It's real growth.
0: Ugh. It's the smile. (laughs) Yep.
1: Um, His parents even warned the children to stay away from the windows in the house to avoid being seen.
0: What the fuck? They're like hiding seven children inside the house.
1: Quote, they told us the world was full of people who wanted to hurt us. Yeah.
0: So they're definitely not not feeding the whole other people are bad. Yeah. You should not like them. You should not care about them.
1: Yeah. Like... Um, yeah, the father also, when he would be beating them up, would remind them, uh, that he could kill them at any time. So, just a really happy.
0: Just real great. Yeah.
1: So, Robert blames those threats for why he started to stockpile, like, armor and weapons.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, he, When he was stockpiling the body armor, he apparently often wore it in front of his parents. So he'd just just walk around the house in full body armor.
0: be like, you can't hurt me.
1: Yeah. And he would say, this is my life preservation rig. Oh, God. It meant he couldn't kill me. Every time I put the body armor on, I was empowered.
0: Okay. Sure. All of this could be fine if you didn't kill everybody in your family. Yeah. Like, I could almost understand it. Like, wanting to feel safe.
1: Yeah, and where, like, where I think Robert definitely falls into either the sociopath or the psychopath box, Michael doesn't.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: He's very much a follower, not a leader, Uh who was disillusioned in this house. And Robert, if he is truly a sociopath, did a very good job of convincing him to jump on board.
0: Absolutely. I mean, like, he's your older brother, and you've both undergone the same abuse and treatment. And he's telling you all this stuff. We can get out of
1: this. We can avenge ourselves. Yeah. Because on the day of the killings, Michael apparently wanted to say goodbye to their youngest sister, the two-year-old, who was supposed to have a birthday, was supposed to have her second birthday, like, a few days after everything happened. Okay. So he spent the entire day holding her. Oh, dude. To say goodbye.
0: Like... Yeah, that doesn't really... I mean, he still did what he did. He did what he
1: did, but, like...
0: He's got feelings. Yeah. (laughs) He's definitely got feelings that Robert doesn't.
1: Yeah. And it's one... Okay, so... This is testimony from Robert, and I didn't want to put it up where Crystal was, because I didn't want to, like, mesh those two together. Mm Mm-hmm. But testimony from Robert's point of view was, I put my hand over her mouth, and I held the blade to her throat... I felt the blood starting to run down my hand, and I was like, oh, shit. From the moment Crystal didn't drop dead from being stabbed in the throat, it was just chaos. Yeah. Yeah. I
0: think he, they were probably thinking, this will be methodical. Yeah. This will be easy. We'll walk through one at a time. Yep. Silence just them so fast. And, like, and it didn't and happen It, just, at it didn't all. happen
1: that way. And he said he experienced a mental shift that he called flipping the kill switch. Great. All right. Which Michael didn't. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. The sad, sad thing of all of this, the seven and the five-year-old had managed to lock themselves in the bathroom. Oh, no. Because Crystal had told them to run. Mm Mm-hmm. And they had kept the door locked. But Michael played a victim and started frantically knocking on the door, begging for them to let him in.
0: Michael, no.
1: Which Robert praised him for, Mm -hmm. being like, I didn't think of doing that.
0: Right. Like, that's innovative thinking. Yeah.
1: It's like, oh, yeah, I don't have normal human emotions.
0: Right. What is yeah. this
1: feigning weakness thing?
0: Yeah, I, I've literally never done I that. I don't know how to
1: do that. My ego
0: does not allow for that.
1: <laughs> Michael did the same trick on the twelve-year-old who called nine one one.
0: Was it Michael who came up and said hello?
1: Probably. Into the probably. Home? Okay. They don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, the twelve-year-old had had locked himself in his father's home office, and had been the one to call nine one one.
0: Man, these kids were really trying.
1: Yeah i'm so bummed out right now. i know
0: oh my god i'm just glad these fuckers are in prison here's
1: the thing they realized once they got the ammunition they like once they were sitting down after all of this had happened robert recognized the fact that it was stupid for them to order that much ammunition because they had planned each carry a thousand rounds each on them jesus and Robert said, imagine us trying to carry all of that around during a shooting spree. Um He laughed on the witness stand and threw his hands up in exasperation, saying, I just realized how fickle this plan was.
0: Like, just then? Just
1: then. He's like, <laughs> oh, <laughs> shit. Us. Oh, damn. Oh, well.
0: Man, oh, silly boys, huh? Man, we didn't think this through at all. What the fuck? I would be shitting my pants as a juror uh huh. Like, nah, dude. Especially, this guy.
1: especially when he continued saying, "I just can't figure out how the others did it."
0: Yeah. he said
1: that to the judge. Like,
0: Jesus Christ, dude! Like, I'd be like, "This guy, I don't, I. This guy is a demon. This guy is Beelzebub, come straight from hell." Who yeah, he fuck? literally, like,
1: he said that. The judge cut him off. Yeah, like, and was like, judge. "Okay, we're done." Yeah, like that was not kicked the him out of the courtroom. And took the attorneys to an adjacent hallway for a talk. Like, hey, how did this get so far out of control? He cannot talk like that. He cannot talk like that.
0: Because, like, it's only making him look worse, and he deserves to be in prison anyway, but, like, you should be putting people in prison based on the evidence and, like, the questions they're asked and how they answer them, and not just, like, on random shit that they say, people react differently to situations, but still... Like, if I were a draw, I'd be like, it's over, dude. Oh, I it's, done. It's, it's done. It's done.
1: <laughs> so, in conclusion, on the upside, Crystal was adopted with her now four-year-old sister. They went to the same home. Aww. She underwent some very extensive surgeries, but she's doing okay.
0: That's good.
1: So. That's really good. Yeah. And uh. on the upside, the four-year-old won't remember anything because she was too... Right. Maybe.
0: Yeah. Hopefully. I'm glad they weren't like separated and.
1: Yeah. That's so. Really great. They didn't say if they went with family because it's all pretty under lock and key on where yeah. they went. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But for sure. uh, that's it, that's the broken arrow killings.
0: That's really fucked. Broken arrow killings. Yeah. Oh, man, how we come up with these is upsetting,
1: y'all. I'm not about it. Now I take a nap.
0: Do not take a nap. I'm about to tell you a story. Good night. No, it's no naps for you. Good night. Zero naps for you, please. I burrito. No burrito. All right. So, this doesn't have a fun, like, name to okay. it. I was looking at some where I was like, it's got a fun name. It's fun to say as an intro. Not this one. Mm.
1: Are you starting with a quote? No. I
0: end with a quote. So you took me to Oklahoma. I'm just going to take you to 1988, generally. <laughs> it's 1988. Picture it. Try. What month? It probably sucks. Everyone's wearing dumb shit.
1: Hey, I was born in 1988. It
0: probably sucks. Wow! <laughs> Anytime I wasn't born in sucks. And a lot of the times I was also suck.
1: <laughs> Listen, you were born during crack and AIDS epidemic, so don't even...
0: That's upsetting. <laughs> hey, look, the 80s really did suck in a lot of ways. Like, let's all just no, be very real. No, they really real.
1: did. They did.
0: Yeah. <laughs> um, so, like I said, it's 1988, and Claudia Brenner and Rebecca White are both students at Virginia Tech. Oh, God. Claudia, it's
1: not that. We already did that. <laughs> yeah, one. we did. It's also 1988, and I don't remember if they've ever had any other mass.
0: I don't think so. They just happened to be at Virginia. I'm just Tech. like, oh god. The story has nothing to do with
1: that. Good. It's just some background. <laughs> I promise. Don't scare me like that.
0: <laughs> Claudia is studying to be an architect, and Rebecca is getting her master's in business administration. So
1: they're kind of killing it. Yeah two women especially in 1988
0: exactly two women late 80s going yeah. to fields that are like dominated by men yeah also they happen to be dating each other sweet yes
1: oh my god so they are two 80s lesbians exactly 80s doing business dude. stuff killing it with probably bomb ass hair oh my god probably windbreakers Steve. oh yes cell phones in their cars
0: I don't know if they're there yet, since they're in college. But they're going on to.
1: I they guess, will be there.
0: Yeah, where they will have the cell phones. They will have cars. That. <laughs> the I big can see it now. That they carry around with each yeah. other with themselves. Yes. All right. Very
1: tall hair. All
0: right. Well, quick spoilers. uh Oh. One of them isn't making it to that. Damn it! I know. I'm so sorry. I just thought maybe I'd warn you, since you're getting very attached to Claudia I and Rebecca am. right now. Oh my god! <laughs> I had
1: such plans for them. <laughs> they were gonna have a nice house. <sighs> that one of them designed yeah exactly yeah. Dude, they could have the perfect house <laughs> 16 dogs
0: why are you Seven projecting cats. so much onto them right now let me tell you the story before you get too attached you're gonna die
1: a red picket fence so because sad. fuck white
0: stop it <laughs> oh man it's May of 1988
1: giant rainbow flag in their yard
0: <laughs> I mean yeah obviously Damn. They're pretty proud about it. You, Damn like, it. That is one thing about, like, both of them, they were pretty out to the world. They just kind of didn't give a shit about being seen or what people would think. That was just how they lived their lives, which is pretty rad for the 80s, for sure. Yeah. Um, so it's May of that year. Claudia and Rebecca decided to take some time to hike the Appalachian Trail, as ones in college are wont to do, especially when you are in, like, Virginia. Baby, And it's just kind of, like, right there.
1: But like also the Appalachian Mountains scare me. Yeah, no, I'm There's a lot of crazy people that There's live up there. There's so many stories surrounding that fucking like, place. I don't want to like be hiking and accidentally come across someone's like moonshine. Right. Hut. They're and definitely then get shot. Yeah, dude.
0: Yeah, dude. They're definitely not doing the thing where they're tr- where they're hiking the whole thing. Yeah. They're more just like picking locations to walk through state parks and that sort of thing. But regardless, um so I imagine, like, they get done with the semester, and then they just, like, let's let's go on a little vacay. I don't, I'm not really the kind of person who thinks a vacay includes hiking. No. Or sleeping on the ground. No. But that's them, and that's fine, Claudia kay. and Rebecca. <laughs> okay. It's, it's very lesbians right now. I'm, yeah. They I mean, like, I wasn't
1: going to go to the, oh, God, with their Birkenstocks.
0: <laughs> that is said with all the love in the world. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, It's lovely. Anyway. So the women were specifically hiking in the Michaux State Forest in Pennsylvania. They had packed up their, they had uh, parked their car some ways back and they were just sort of walking the trail with all their gear and a map looking for a good place to camp for the night. And they saw very few people as they set up their initial camp not far from like a public restroom that they'd come across on the campground. Um, but when Rebecca made her way to that restroom, she encountered a man. The man's name, and here's where you know that he ain't a good boy, because I'm about to tell you his name. <laughs> his name was Stephen Roy Carr. Oh, fuck. He's got three names, everyone. This isn't a murder mystery. I'm telling you about a, a bad man who did bad things to good people, and you already knew that coming into this podcast. I was thinking about, like, making it more suspenseful, but I'm like, no. You get his name right away. His name is Stephen Roy Carr.
1: I've heard that name before. Um, There's There's actually
0: a shitload of cars.
1: Yeah.
0: uh, Who are murderers. Yeah, so that's why I'm like,
1: hmm. I mean, maybe you recognize
0: this, but he also only did this thing. Yeah. So who knows? I mean, I do
1: know a lot of random things about things I shouldn't know about.
0: It's true. (laughs) Um, So yeah, I know I'm taking some of the suspense out of the story but like whatever like Rebecca kind of had like a bad feeling immediately so we were gonna get there anyway yeah it's not
1: Halloween fuck all 'all. y'all uh-huh
0: she meets this dude um and is pretty much immediately like
1: nah real quick yeah that's uh, fair
0: real quick background on the dude oh so Stephen Roy Carr was a 22 year old drifter
1: never a good thing
0: from what I could glean he is a pretty typical 'er ne'er-do-well uh he had like a rough
1: childhood sure
0: He might have had some sexual abuse in his past. He's already been to prison. Oh. In May of 1988, Carr has fled Florida, where he has, like, grand larceny charges waiting for him. Ooh. And so he just, like, runs. I don't know if he's been on the Appalachian Trail this whole time, or if he sort of drove somewhere and is now hiding out. Either way, he's just... He's living in a cave, y'all. I just... <laughs> this is my favorite thing. that The Wikipedia article that I read on this, in addition to my other things, just described him like this. Car, twenty-two, sometimes live in a cave.
1: <laughs> sometimes live in a cave.
0: <laughs> and he carried a twenty-two caliber rifle. So that's really all you have to know about him. I don't care about him. He's a fucker. Uh, but that's... That's him. Now that we've been introduced... Ruined
1: my lesbian house dreams. I'm so
0: sorry. Now, the thing about people who live in caves is they don't shower, no, they look like they live,
1: yeah, in, in caves. There's usually not like a mirror in the cave, right
0: He does like he, I've seen a composite sketch of him, like he doesn't look great. he looks grizzled, yeah, he looks like his hair's all crazy, like the
1: transient life is not for everyone,
0: no, certainly not for, especially if car. you've
1: got. Charges already for larceny.
0: Yeah, dude. Like, like you were
1: trying to do something to maintain some sort of a life.
0: Yeah. He's he's given up on all like that at this point. Lying
1: and stealing.
0: Yeah. At this point, he's just trying to escape these charges, and he lives in a fucking cave. And I don't know what he eats or how or anything. Bugs. This is his life. But he eats butts for a living. <laughs> <laughs> the fuck? What <laughs> the fuck are we talking about? So... When Rebecca encounters him in the restroom, she is, like, immediately uncomfortable because of the way he looks. Sure. And I would definitely say that she, like, got an uh-oh feeling, which yeah. is nice. Um, he Sometimes her, you just get
1: that when you meet people standing outside of the bathroom. Yeah.
0: Just kind of saying hey for no reason. Especially
1: when you're camping.
0: Right? Always on edge when camping and yeah. seeing random people. Always. I
1: do not enjoy camping.
0: Nope, me either. Um... He asked her for a cigarette, and she was like, nah, dog. (laughs) Like, (laughs) nope. And she just, like, books it back to her campsite. Sure. Wasting no time. So Rebecca tells Claudia that she saw a dude who looked some kind of way, and, like, they should pack up and find a more private, like, camping area. This one is too close to him, and maybe other people, let's go.
1: Sleep in the car. Lock the doors. Yeah. I Uh, mean.
0: The really creepy thing is, as they're packing up, car is just like passing through the area and he just goes see you later
1: Uh, I don't like that yeah
0: it's not good
1: see that's when you literally just pack everything up and you get the fuck fuck out out.
0: you do not camp in the same area but look he's just a weird dude if I moved everything I was doing every time I encountered a weird dude I would never get anything done (laughs) so like
1: (laughs) But would you move everything if you encountered a weird dude while camping?
0: Maybe not. It depends. I'm like with somebody. If I was alone, you bet your ass. I would never camp alone. But like, you got somebody else. They're just like, it's a big state park. We're just going to find another place that's not as like out in the open here. And like, we'll just, we're spending one night and then we're leaving.
1: See, I wish I could say the same, but like, I also went camping with three dudes and two other girls and there was a storm one night and the dudes were the ones who slept in the cars because they were too fucking scared to stay in the (laughs) tents so i'd like to say oh yeah you know if i was camping with guys then it'd be like typical stereotype of like oh we'd be fine we'd be protected no fuck that no
0: i've definitely heard of stories where dudes have gotten their shit wrecked while camping too it doesn't matter crazy people are crazy but yeah so moving on Rebecca and Claudia head further along the trail, looking for another place to settle in, not realizing, or maybe just not wanting to realize, that they are being followed. They stopped at one point to look at their map and make some decisions, and they're doing that cute little couple thing where they like occasionally kiss while they're talking.
1: Uh, you know, like gross. it's just
0: conversational, and they're just like, Mwah. "It's cute."
1: It's nasty.
0: It's cute as hell, and um, from behind couples. them, <laughs> <laughs> and from behind them, they hear, "You lost." so it's fucking car again you guys he still looks like a caveman but this time he has his 22 caliber rifle slung oh so casually over his shoulder Hmm. and the women tell him no they are not lost and they literally have a map in their fucking hands and he and his gun will be of no help to them so rebecca and claudia eventually move away from him they find a place that they deem to be out of the way. It's sort of in a hollow. I don't know exactly what that means, but it's sort of surrounded on all sides. And they they look around for a while. They don't see anybody, so they set up camp. Nope. And and then I guess they eat dinner. And then I guess like people who who are comfortable camping are also comfortable fucking outside. So they start doing that. They get kind of intimate. It's about five thirty in the evening. They don't think anybody's around. So they just start, you know, getting it. Like, I mean, I get, like, more power to you. Like, I can't fuck outside, but, like, (laughs) like if they want to do that, that's totally fine. I'm proud of them and stuff, I guess.
1: Whereas I would have walked up to somebody else's campsite (laughs) and just, like, sat down and been like, hey, I'm being followed. What's up? Can I hang out here for a little while?
0: I don't know if they encountered I don't know that
1: they saw anybody else. I mean, it's the 80s. And it's a
0: big fucking place. Appalachia. I have no idea if they encountered anybody else who does not mention in any of the things I read. So super, maybe not. Maybe he's the only guy around, which is unfortunate. So, they're having sex. They're literally in the most vulnerable state two people can be. And suddenly, out of nowhere, they hear gunshots ringing out all around them. Quote from Claudia at a talk she will later give about the incident. When the first bullet hit me, my arm exploded. That's like how. That's like in. It's like how she starts all her speeches. Yeah. It's like the thing that makes the entire room just shut the fuck up. Yeah. <laughs> like.
1: It's it's effective.
0: So Stephen Roy Carr had stood precisely eighty-two feet away from Rebecca and Claudia's camp, and watched them for over an hour. Ew. He'd probably followed them the whole way, from when they last saw him. Just a guess. Holding his gun, and when they started getting intimate with each other. Stephen Carr took issue with that and he fired eight shots at the two women. This is a rifle. It's too caliber, but still. It's still gonna it's a hurt. It's rifle. <laughs> yeah. Claudia was hit with five of these shots. Ouch. Rebecca was hit with two and the eighth one missed. In a matter of seconds, Claudia was hit in the arm, the face, the head, and the neck. Rebecca was shot in the head and the back with the last shot cutting through her liver. Ooh. Yes. That's fatal. Quote from Claudia. Yeah, who, at this point, I think you guys can tell, Claudia is the one who survives. She's the one who got shot five times. And she lives. Just look at the draw with gunshot wounds, dude. Like, sometimes you can get ones and they just don't kill you. They just miss
1: everything that's vital. Right. Versus, you can get shot once or twice and it just both hit just... Right. ...massively necessary things Mm -hmm. that make you bleed out.
0: The liver thing is a big one. It's huge. So, Claudia... My brain could not make the connection fast enough to realize that I had been shot. I saw a lot of blood on the green tarp on which we lay and thought for a split second about earthquakes and volcanoes, but they don't make you bleed. Rebecca knew. She asked me where I had been shot. So Rebecca's on it. She's the one who knows what's happening. I can imagine, like, your brain just being like, what happened? Yeah. For a second Like,
1: oh, oh, everything hurts. Mm -hmm. My body feels like it's on fire. Right.
0: So after those eight shots, there is total silence. And I thought this was, like, a interesting tidbit. Like, except for the birds singing in the trees. And, like, Claudia distinctly remembers having a moment of, like, how the hell are the birds still singing? Like, how did this not destroy everything? Yeah, Like, it was very strange for her to hear that. Claudia again. I knew I was hurt, but I think my brain, out of self-protection, wouldn't let me think about how bad it was. I knew Rebecca was really badly hurt. Claudia gets up, determined to go find help, and she tries to get Rebecca to stand with her, but she can't. Nope. Um. Even though she took three fewer bullets than Claudia, Rebecca is much worse off, and it is immediately obvious. So Rebecca gives Claudia her wallet and tells her to go. And so Claudia takes off on her own. She hikes three motherfucking miles. Three miles, gunshot wounds, face, head, neck, arm. (laughs) Like, she's... It's crazy. All fucked up. So she walks three miles until she eventually finds a road where she is picked up by some young men in, like, a truck who are just like, holy shit. You're covered in blood. Absolutely covered in blood. <laughs> she asks them to help her go back for Rebecca, but they're like, no, you <laughs> you look awful. Yeah. And they take her to the nearest fire station, which I imagine out there is, like, there's more fire stations than hospitals, more yeah. fire stations than police stations. Yeah. So they take her there. Eventually... the Claudia is hooked up with the police some way or another and she tells them what happened um, while still thinking to leave out the detail that she and Rebecca were lovers. Like that is an interesting thing to her. Like she doesn't, she knew she had to get Rebecca help. She was like very in shock. But one thing she did remember not to mention was that they were girlfriends. Cause she was like, I just got shot for that. Yeah. I'm not going to tell anybody. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: Especially not the cops Mm-hmm. in that time frame.
0: Yeah, you don't know how they'll react.
1: Especially, like, in Appalachia.
0: Will they look for Rebecca? it's so backwards. Right. It's still
1: backwards up there some places.
0: Oh, for sure. Oh, for sure. Yeah, and, like, your mind could be doing all sorts of things. Will they look for Rebecca fast enough? Mm -hmm. Will they, like, look for the guy who did it fast
1: enough? Will they they leave her for dead? Will they leave me for dead? Mm
0: -hmm. So she doesn't mention that, but she does tell them everything else, gives them a description, and they get her to a hospital. And the police head back for the campsite. And unfortunately, by this point, Rebecca has died of her wounds. Poor Rebecca. She's really kind of kept it together for a while there, though. She was the one kind of being like, okay, you need to go do this. Yeah. This is what's happened. It's very impressive. Very sad. Yes, very sad. She died alone. For sure. Oh, my God. Yeah, like hoping somebody would come back.
1: Yeah. Awful. Ugh.
0: So the aftermath. We're back with Carr for a second, because I guess... (laughs) So after firing those eight shots, Carr thought both women were dead. Like, he was sure. sure, Yeah. Um, So he just leaves.
1: Yeah. And. Goes back to his cave, probably.
0: Well, he must have hiked his way around for a bit, looking for somewhere to hide out. Maybe he went to his cave for a bit. But he kind of, I mean, I think he knew, like, nah. i I just killed two people. Like, I should probably hide out somewhere, like, better than my cave. He had left, like, 25 bullet casings around, too. They don't really know why. They were like, he didn't fire that many. There's just bullet casings around. Did he,
1: like, leave them as a trail oh. to get back? <laughs>
0: this is how you find me. <laughs> I have no idea. But this was interesting. He ends up hiding out in a Mennonite community that he finds. Okay. Yeah. And for those sure. Of you, for those of you who don't know, Mennonites are <laughs> similar to the Amish,
1: a they little can, more lax. Yes,
0: they can be a little less strict in their ways. However, this particular community, still, they didn't read the newspaper and they didn't watch TV. So, like, when your face is on the news, it's a pretty good place to be because nobody yeah. recognizes yep. you. <laughs> nobody knows what he did. So he's there for, like, ten days. Claudia was able to give a description of Carr, like I mentioned. The police threw that sketch up and distributed it around the area. It did end up on the news, and then one of the Mennonites was secretly watching TV. Oh! Like a naughty boy. Oh! And he saw a car. And he was like, that's the guy who's over there right now. And he immediately called the police. Good. So sometimes rule breaking is helpful. Totally. This was one of my favorite things. Claudia literally said, that's my kind of sinner. (laughs) Claudia's so sassy.
1: (laughs) I feel like that Mennonite would have felt okay with breaking the rules Uh being like, God will forgive me. I literally caught a killer by breaking our rules and watching the news. Exactly,
0: Like that's the kind of thing where you're like, well, God led me to watch the news that day so that I could figure this out. Mm -hmm. Like that is
1: God told me to sin.
0: Right. (laughs) That's how you get out of it with your community. You're like, well, God spoke uh... (laughs) to me and he defo said there's a dude amongst us.
1: We had a quick (laughs) chat
0: watch the six o'clock and figure it out.
1: <laughs> uh, Go forth and spread my word. <laughs> right? <laughs> About the news.
0: <laughs> they do weather on the 8th. It's important. So Stephen Roy Carr was arrested and he waived his right to a jury trial in exchange for not being handed the death penalty. Hmm. So he just has like a... It's like the judge and two lawyers. Yeah. <laughs> and him. Um... This was what I found most interesting about the trial. It became very quickly clear that this was a hate crime. Like, that's what he told them. Carr didn't like them being lesbians. He followed them around because he saw them kissing. And then when they started having sex, he felt like they were taunting him with it. And so he shot them. That is a hate crime. (laughs) Like, he killed them because they were gay. However... In this particular situation, it doesn't really seem like the marginalized group was super fucked over, especially because it's the 80s. Like, this, they do a pretty good job here, and I'll tell you why. Like I mentioned, Claudia did not immediately tell the police she was a lesbian. However, it did come out when Carr told the prosecutor. Um, So that could have ended up really shitty for her. Like, now we're announcing it everywhere. Now we're talking about it. Now it's the biggest thing... That's a part of this
1: crime. But that's so easy to have the lawyer come up and have her come on the stand to explain why she didn't say it. Right. Oh, absolutely.
0: But she didn't even have to do that. Yeah. Um, It's true that that probably would have been just fine.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: But here's the thing. Uh, Miracle of miracles. The judge in Carr's trial refused to allow Carr's psychosexual history to be entered into the record. Because, like, they were going to argue that b- he hated gay people because he had sexual abuse in his history and because he was raped in prison. And so the judge was like, nah, we're not going to talk about that. <laughs> and then he also didn't allow the defense to even mention that Claudia and Rebecca were girlfriends. That, didn't, that was not allowed into the official record for the trial. So like it just was a non issue because the judge was like, "No, I don't care."
1: We're doing this based strictly on the evidence of your crime, exactly, and not on a attempt at justifying why you did what you did.
0: Right. This is like the opposite of like an activist judge. He was yeah. just like, "I don't give
1: I a don't fuck." Care. <laughs> <laughs> like, now, sticking like sticking with the facts, right? Now
0: you, cou- I guess you could like argue that in some ways this kind of sucks because if they could prove it was a hate crime specifically, that might have had a worse outcome for Carr yeah she might have been punished more severely, however, it also means that Claudia gets saved from all the bullshit
1: well, she gets saved also the judge probably didn't want to have this case set a precedent for allowing certain justifications to come in to play mm-hmm. for hate crimes
0: uh-huh I, absolutely because if-
1: that would have that would still be used today. Like oh, yeah. that precedent would still be used today.
0: He has an irrational fear of gay people yeah. because of stuff that happened to him. Like it not
1: justifies his doing what he did.
0: Exactly. Yeah. So, but that didn't happen in this case. And that's really rad. I'm yeah. sure there are other judges and other cases where terrible things like this happened and it didn't go this well. Claudia herself says like, she felt like the justice system really was good to her the whole way, which yeah. surprised her yeah. a lot. So, and either way, like, there actually, in the end, wasn't, uh, a punishment he could have been, like, given that was higher than what he got. Because he already, uh, negotiated away the death penalty. So he did get life in prison without parole. That was the, that was the worst thing he could get. Um, and he is still there. Good. Um, he made an appeal back in 1991. Nope. About the sexual stuff again. <laughs> nope. Th- yeah. The Supreme Court of Pennsylvania was like, nope. <laughs> <laughs> So fuck that Joke's on
1: you, you chuckle fuck. No. Right. You're (sighs) in prison. You stay in prison. You don't get a lessened sentence. Right. Just no. Nothing
0: you say matters. You're a crazy person. Knock it off. We're done. You're a terrible, terrible man. So as for our survivor, Claudia Brenner, she became something of an activist. Many of the quotes that I got that I was uh, using just now came directly from a talk she gave during Pride Week. Um, to the Gay Men and Lesbians Against Violence group in Washington in 1995. Uh, for years, like, after, uh, she spoke to organizations like this all over the country. Spoke about what happened, spoke about what it means to be gay in general and face violence, that sort of thing. She wrote a book called Eight Bullets, One Woman's Story of Surviving Anti-Gay Violence. The story has also been turned into a short film called The Hollow. Ooh. It's like fifteen minutes long i't I didn't have time to watch it, but I want to um last I could tell Claudia lives in New York and she did eventually go back to school and she received her like architects license so she Aww. did
1: she did do that
0: maybe she did build her dream house with somebody else. I, don't know. I know the Washington Post article that I read from nineteen ninety five asked her what she thought Rebecca would think of her activism after what happened, and she said. I think Rebecca would be really proud of me. Rebecca would be really proud. Well, now I'm sad,
1: Em. Do you want a happy note? <laughs>
0: yes. Please. Anything. <laughs> Help. Okay. Uh-oh,
1: what is it? Just remember, you said that. Oh, okay, no. Cool. What are you about to do? So, oh, no. Emily! No, because like- I haven't talked about this, because I keep forgetting. So you remember how there was the the pregnant woman with her two children that went missing, and then... she was found and they were found and they tried to say that the mother killed the two children and then the father killed the mother.
0: Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. To justify the
1: crime. Mm -hmm. Well, the truth is out. Yeah, Chris Watts. I think he was in Colorado. Yes, Colorado. (laughs) But they had, like, and there was even, like, a video of, like, Dr. Phil talking to Nancy Grace.
0: (laughs) It was like... I'm sorry, you just said the name of, like, two of the worst people. I know. <laughs> like, Jesus, they, talk to they talked to
1: each other? They talked to each other. Oh, was Dr. Oz there? No. <laughs> Gross. No, thank God. Fucking grifters. <laughs> no, but the woman who hosts uh the deadliest women thing on oxygen,
0: mm-hmm. who's like a
1: forensic pathologist or something, mm-hmm. or no, she's a behavioral... Psychologist? Yeah, sure. I think she's behavioral. Psych. Mm. They were all together. And I was like, what the fuck is this?
0: Yeah, that sounds like, like a panel for Ooh,
1: film. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, they played one of his interviews and they talk about like his micro expressions and like the way he was rocking back and forth and like holding himself.
0: He just wasn't good at all. No.
1: And he like was very narcissistic and wanting the spotlight, mm-hmm. but then wasn't that great about lying. <laughs>
0: Okay. Okay. And like. And they feel confident in
1: this. Yes. Wow. They're very confident that he in fact murdered all of them.
0: And I know that lie detector tests are bad.
1: They are very bad. But you would,
0: you would also think that they just be like, well, if we think we can get that from how twitchy he is, let's slap one of those on just to corroborate But they're not
1: admissible in court at all.
0: But this is, like, this looking at. Yes. Looking at somebody and being like. Because
1: micro expressions are a science. Like, that is.
0: Okay, but we don't even like fingerprints anymore.
1: I know. But like like, (laughs) behaviors and that kind of shit is still for right now Mm -hmm. acceptable. In a weird
0: It's only weird because it's another person. Like we're not even trusting a machine to do it anymore, but we'll trust another person to be like, I twitch, he's lying. Like Well, because there's also
1: like a really good way to know if someone's lying to you when they say something and they shake their head no while they're talking. (laughs) he does that in the interview with a news outlet he says i just want my family home safe and And he's he's shaking his head as he's saying it i don't want that (laughs) yeah so like that's one of those things that i like picked up watching a documentary about this shit Mm -hmm. and one of the micro expressions is like you literally like you will shake your head no if you are actively lying about something and you won't even know that you're doing it
0: it's like your brain is like we don't like. We this don't like thing. this. We don't like it at all. He also was
1: doing like some self soo um, self soothing of rocking back and forth while he was talking, hmm. and he kept backing away from them. Huh. So Jeez. it was really, yeah. They well, weren't subtle signs. That
0: is fascinating. I'm gonna have yeah. to look that up. Maybe not. Maybe not the devil's threesome talking <laughs> about it, but like maybe something real. But I
1: mean, if you did the devil's threesome, you could hear Dr. Phil talk about how he's been a forensic psychologist for 40 years
0: since when doctors fill excuse <laughs> doctors me fill. the doctors Phil. can I please ask some questions mm-hmm. why haven't you just been doing that
1: like I know like why do you have a talk show trying to bring together broken families why aren't you actually like because I know he does talk to like some killers and some serial killers and like some I other think- shit like that and he like got like- a guy to confess one time he just
0: strikes me as the kind of dude who's like, he thinks he has a specialty in everything and yeah. he will tell you he does, but he fucking doesn't. No. Like, he has like, he has like a degree in like family psychology. <laughs> like, who the fuck knows? Maybe he is a forensic psychologist, but it's like, you could be doing so much better. You could be doing the world like a better justice if you just used that. Yeah. Thanks, Dr. Phil.
1: See, now you're not mad about dead people.
0: Well, thank you for that. I do appreciate it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I feel better now. Bam, bam. Do you feel better? Like, I just woke up. Oh, the fuck's going on? Mushu, do you feel better?
0: Are you the knight? Does the knight want boobs? <laughs> Mushu! <laughs> <laughs> well, it's time for us to go. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you all for joining us. Have, have a happy
1: episode. and safe holidays.
0: Yes, it's almost Christmas! Um, and then, like, the Gooch part of the year and the New Year's. It's great.
1: Yeah. So you know, don't don't do anything stupid.
0: Yeah, don't do anything we wouldn't do.
1: <laughs> Maybe don't use that. As uh, your that's mantra. so not <laughs> a thing.
0: But we will uh, be back in uh, two weeks again. We'll God be back the creek, don't next rise.
1: year. Next
0: year. Oh, I next
1: hate that. year. I hate that. In twenty nineteen.
0: Oh no. So
1: we'll see you kids next year.
0: Yes. and. In addition to having a happy holidays, I sincerely hope God damn it. that at no point do you forget your can of water. Fuck you.